You're listening to the CAD Manager's Confessions Podcast, episode 14. In this episode, I'll be sharing an interview I did with Sam Lucido as part of series two of my CAD Management Masterclass, where I interview some of the best CAD managers across different industries. Thanks, Sam, for being a part of the podcast. And now, play the intro. This podcast is for CAD managers in their pursuit for the perfect set of plans. Each week, we'll be doing deep dives into what CAD managers deal with every day as they manage and mentor their CAD team, build and enforce standards, develop best practices, and provide leadership and vision in the implementation of new technologies. With an extensive career as a CAD manager, I'm here to confess all my lessons learned, strategies, and all my project delivery secrets. If this sounds like the right place for you, then let's get started. I'm your host, Eric DeLeon, and welcome to the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. I am your host, Eric DeLeon. In this episode, I'm continuing my, ma- my CAD Management Masterclass series by interviewing another fellow CAD manager. Today, I would like to welcome Sam Lucido to the podcast. Welcome, Sam. Thank you, Eric. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Uh, Sam is from the Detroit, Michigan area. Sam is a CAD manager, Autodesk Expert Elite Professional, Civil 3D and AutoCAD certified, Augie World author, a seasoned and top-rated Autodesk University speaker, and the creator and operator of cadprotips.com, a CAD website dedicated to providing tips and tricks to help support the CAD community. Again, welcome to the podcast, Sam. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here, Eric. I was looking forward to meeting you and doing this. Yeah, like, like during the, the pre-interview, um, again, as I do these master classes and I get these lineups of all these CAD managers, I mean, you guys are literally, uh, you know, my heroes because you know you guys are out there um you guys have trailblazed what the trails of what a cad manager is and what that what that looks like and you know i'm starting this is just my way of also trying to continue to continue that path so that way the people behind me also have an opportunity uh, to know what a cad manager is and everything that goes involved with that so i guess for my audience for you know Man, you're you have this awesome resume. Um, so if, if anybody's been a, if if you're listening to this podcast right now and you've been a part of Autodesk, Augie, Autodesk University, I'm pretty sure Sam's name has come up and you read his things. So again, totally excited. So what I like to get stuff started off here was you know maybe tell us more about you professionally, uh, where you work at, how long you've been there, and what do you do? Okay, I um. Right now, I work for a company by the name of Haley and Aldrich. We're a multidisciplined engineering firm, um, headquartered out of Boston, Massachusetts. But we have 30 offices across the United States, and um, I've been working there for 10 years, almost 10 years, like nine years, eight months. And I've been their CAD manager for the majority of the time that I've been there. Um, the trickiest thing about being the CAD manager, I'm oh, I'm half. Let me go back. I'm half CAD manager because we all have these billable goals right so 20 hours i'm supposed to be on projects and 20 hours 
I'm supposed to be on like other things, standards, coordination, deployments, um, help desk, things like that. It's a, it's a very tricky balancing act to do, but I, the one thing I remember telling senior management, I love being part of the work. I was taken out of the work like for a year and, and you and I both know being in the industry when you're taken out of like a civil 3D or an InfraWorks or, a, or even AutoCAD for a year, it, it, things change. So you have to pick it up back up again. So being that I'm involved in the work keeps my skills sharp. And then I've been involved in the industry. I worked for a, um, a civil engineering firm back in the, for 17, 18 years. And I thought that was my career, but they ended up getting bought out by somebody else. And I landed up at Haley and Aldrich because of some other people um, I knew respected the firm and referred that to me. But one thing I like about being here is that I, I work on uh, so many different projects, multidisciplined. I work anything from landfill to mining to piping to it's it's just a wide variety of work with a wide variety of people so right now i'm uh, like i said i'm still i'm the cad manager i manage the deployments the software some of the people and also um just keeping the rest of the people you know because cad has changed so the general population i call them you know we have these we have these 10 to 20 dedicated 80% plus users per week. Then we have 50 that use it in and out, in and out, in and out. So we have to make sure they do things the right way. So that covers my background. That leads me to here. <laughs> yeah, nice, yeah. I think a couple of thoughts came up to mind when you said that is, I think for, if you're listening to this podcast and you're an aspiring CAD manager, or up and coming, um, just CAD professional, um, there's definitely that struggle between standards, right behind the scenes development, setup, training, um, managing your team, mm -hmm. and also remaining billable. If you exactly. know what that word is, learn it because you know utilization. That is is a big deal, and for, and and I know talking with other CAD managers in the past, the current ones that I'm going to be interviewing. Um, soon, and the and ones I've already interviewed, we all have different, um, the way, the culture of the companies that we work for are, are all a little bit different. And some of us can, you know, cat managers can be all overhead where we don't have any expectations of doing billable. And, but, you know, more, more likely you're going to have a mixture for the majority of us. Right. Um, I like the mixture. I would rather, I, it doesn't make me comfortable being all overhead, so to speak. So I like being direct. And plus, when you manage people, if you're directly working with them, it's so much easier to review, give goals, give, you know, performance reviews, negative feedback, stuff like that. It's it's easier when you're in the work. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of I think that's one of the things that I've tried to since I work for I've worked for AEC firms. So I've always. Um, there's always that expectation to do billable work and utilization. I'm pretty sure along the way, I probably could have weaseled out of it. But at the same time, just like you said, I totally agree, is that if you're gonna manage people or be a part of these projects, um, I definitely like to roll up my sleeves and be in the trenches. Right? Oh, it's fun. You know, because that's where we stay sharp. Um, I tell people that I know, so if I'm gonna give somebody a task, you know, at least I know, well, if it's going to take me eight hours and I'm the manager, I'm going to touch into so much. 
you know, you should have a little bit faster, be a little bit faster at it. <laughs> I remember, I know. I remember telling senior management one time and they wanted me to manage when I came to this company. Um, I don't know if we're getting off topic, but oh, I was told to manage right away. And I said, yeah. whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. You know, I don't know anybody. I inherited people that have been here for 20 plus years, a lot of them. And I said, let me, let me establish myself, prove what I can do. And I remember telling one of the general managers at the time, please don't take me out of the bill of work. Please don't take yeah. me out of the work. And there was a time when I was taken out of the work and it was difficult. It was difficult because I don't mind training. I love training people and doing that kind of thing, but you lose your edge. That's my, that's me. It might not be you or might not be anybody else, but I seem to have lost my, my edge into what I knew how to do in the real world, not from a book, but in real world design. Books are great, but when you come up to a real design, there comes challenges and things like that. And so I had to take a step back and learn how to do all that again, but it's, it's been good. Yeah, I, I also agree with that. To, to me, it's like, you know, I like to have street cred. Yeah, uh, yeah, staff, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like I should be able to print things. I should be able to, yeah. you know, manipulate uh, reference files and do other things like that, you know, right? And so, uh, Remind about, me about, you said printing things when we get later in the conversation, I'll tell you something. Because I think we'll get, there's a question I think you're probably going to ask me. <laughs> I made a note real quick. Yeah. So one of the cool things of getting a, you know, like I said in the pre-interview, is I get this one-on-one -on -one front seat to some amazing CAD, CAD managers and CAD professionals. Uh, and so one of the things that um, I find fascinating, just in, just in general, are origin stories. Um, somebody asked me this, so I thought, oh, this is a really good thing that I can incorporate into my master class to learn more about my fellow CAD managers. So. What is your CAD origin story and how did it start? Now, before you answer, I did go to your LinkedIn um, and I saw that you have a picture from 1988 on your desk. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I see a digitizer. Now, a lot of people may not know what those are. So, I wish I would have kept that thing. <laughs> yeah, those are pretty cool. But anyway, if you can kind of let us know, kind of like, you know, where did your start from CAD um, start from? How did you get into this line of business? Yeah, I put those pictures. I found those in a, in a photo. I worked for a company by the name of Warzine. It's no longer around, but I did um, a mixture of CAD and hand drafting at the time, back with that photo. But my origin story, so back in 19, I'll even be honest, 80, when I was in high school, I took a drafting class, vocational drafting one and two at Harperwoods High School in East Detroit, Michigan. And I liked it. I was good at it. It was all hand drafting, but the teacher was different, unorthodox. Um, I, I remember his name, Don Cherry. I do remember <laughs> his name. And I was really good and I really liked him. He played like Zeppelin music in the background and stuff like that. And uh, I was always happy to go through there. So at the end of my like high school, I ended up entering a bridge building contest at Wayne State University in Michigan. And we had to draw, we had to build a bridge out of sticks, these certain sticks that had to weigh a certain amount and we had to draw it, design it. Now back then this was by hand, so it was on mylar. And um, so we had to design it, draw it, and then it had to hold weight and I ended up winning, you know, back nice. then. And, and I thought I wanted to, and my whole thing when I was a kid was, I wanted to be an architect, I wanted to be an architect. And that same teacher told me to go to Eastern Michigan University because they had a four year bachelor's program 
in computer aid design. And many schools don't have four-year yeah. CAD programs. Yeah. And this was the one that did. So I ended up going there and um, took me a long time to graduate, had a little, you know, had a family in between there and then graduated and then took graduate school and mechanical systems design there. Um, but that is, and then I ended up getting a job at that place where you saw the, a parking company in Wixom, yeah. Michigan. And I would go half in the field. And I think the person that hired me just liked me because we bonded over Star Wars, believe it or not. I remembered it. I remember the interview. We just bonded over uh, talking about Star Wars. And he actually let me learn AutoCAD while I'd go. So I'd go out um, in the field. I'd measure these parking loops. I'd come back up and we'd draw them up. And so that's where I started using CAD. And then after that, I ended up working for, um, I got hired for that, another company and started um, doing work for um, civil in, civil infrastructure. Now my background was more mechanical parts design. Back when I was in college, I thought I'd work for, you know, I'm from Detroit. I thought I'd work for Ford, GM, you know, yeah. some, one of the big three, but um, I ended up doing that and actually really liked it. So it was all land desktop and um, um, site select CAD and then just AutoCAD and just um, Civil 3D when it finally came into the mix. But that's my origin story. But I've always wanted to draw and do, I always wanted to be an architect, but what I do now is what I love. I mean, I love CAD. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, different, it's just a different, and, and, and even came up this week at work is someone said to me, designers don't understand what I want. They overthink it. And, and, and my whole point is, you know, I, but I'm a different kind, you know, I'm old school. So I'm saying, well, why don't they? They, know, they should know, I, I came from the board. They should know how to lay it out. They should know how to draw it no matter what it is. But, but there's some gap in there in time where people don't learn that. So it's, um, yeah, it's, yeah, so that's my story. So I think if that makes right. sense. It, it, it does. And so <laughs> one is I want to find out, I want, that's an awesome segue into this additional question that I've asked a couple other CAD managers. It's one that I struggle with myself or have thoughts of myself. Um, but real quick, before I get to that though, which version of AutoCAD did you first start learning? Oh gosh. Um, oh God, I can't remember. Was it eight? I don't know. It was, it was, I don't remember the exact name. Right. I'd have to look it up again. It oh, was a long yeah. time ago. It was the, the DOS menu in the bar and then we could, you saw my big old digitizer. Yep. I used to have a blast making like a Mylar prints of where the block would, where you'd touch it, you know, yeah, yeah. where you go and touch it, insert it. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. But, you know, I wish, you know, now, now that, you know, I'm looking back on it, I wish I'd still have some of that stuff and I don't because, you know, you can't save everything, but. Yeah, of course. yeah for me, it was a version 12. I learned on version. Oh, I was before 12. Yeah. I think it was eight or something, or even way before that. It was back in 1980, late 80s. Yeah, so, so you have this thought, so you have this comment about um, how people and maybe like other, and it was, I want to get this right, was it, when you said this comment was, they should know how to lay stuff out. Were you talking about CAD designers, CAD professionals, or? I think that Okay, if you if you know me, you followed me. Let me take a step back. I don't want to offend anybody. I want to be respectful because I work with a lot of smart people, but all my classes are based on fundamentals. Yep. 
And I feel somewhere along the way, the fundamentals of drafting and design have been lost. And, and this goes back to my printing comment. I know a person, and I said this in an AU class five years ago, that could grade a pond better than anybody that I ever met, but he couldn't print the drawing. So there's this, there's this disconnect between the fundamentals of how to lay something out, how to set something up, how to make it look right, and, and, and to design it. So that's where I try to coach people into what their, what their job function is at their job. Your job isn't to actually, your job is to do this and then have somebody else with that background set it up. I think people, and I'll be honest, people that have experience using the board have more of an artistic flair to make things look presentable rather than people that don't. And it's no disrespect to them, it's just that they've never been taught. They, they just throw details on a sheet and they, and it's good to them. They're right, which they are, but they're not, you know, a lot of people in the industry and, and you probably, you'll know this when you interviewed, you've only interviewed a few of us. They're either musicians or artists, or there's a lot of creative people, not me, <laughs> not me, but there's a lot of people that can do a lot of different things. But I think that's missing in what we present. And what I always tell people, like when I work with them and I try to train them is that you putting your name on this, you own this, this is something you should be proud of. Don't just throw it out there, you know, with details. You know what I'm talking about when you get a detail sheet and you get one in the upper right and one in the lower left and there's, there's all this space in between and it's like, they don't understand that it's not right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah. No, that's I, what I, I meant by that. Yeah, and I do, I, I just wanted to make sure that I understood it correctly because um, I had this, Man, I can't remember who it was. In the series of one, we had the same conversation. Uh, maybe it was Tom um, Richardson. We had the, and I call what I call it. It's very what it's. I under, completely understand where you're coming from, and I call it the lost art of drafting. Right? Oh yeah. And, and it's because you know one thing that I was mentored on early on was like you know think of, you got to think yourself outside of just being a person who could do the bugs, right? You're you know you're an illustrator. You're an artist. Right. And so I think what happens was, you know, like we, we even talked about this was, you know, when you're on, when you're doing stuff with hand drafting, um, you, you really only had one shot to get it. Oh, yeah. Right. And so, I mean, of course you could do it over, but, you know, you, you know, I've had to mess around with mylars, not with pencil, but with printing on mylars. And, you know, to erase something is to erase something. You know, you had to pull out that electronic electric eraser. And you know you had to work your way through it to get it all off. Um, and so I think because of because of the the just the approach at that time because that's just what they had, right? One even back then minimizing rework, right? They were still trying to get it as as right the first time as possible. And so I think they to me it seems like they probably focused more on presentation. You know, and I think you're, I think you're right is like, you know, even for CAD professionals, like if you're, if you're on the professional track, right, as an EIT, a PE, SE, right, and the AAC role, professional engineers, structural engineers, engineers in training. Um, yeah, maybe knowing the ins and outs of drafting is necessarily a priority because the primary focus is engineering, estimates, quantities, right, that kind of stuff. Um, but when it comes in the CAD world, though, I mean, obviously we try to train them because in some cases, 
those those positions are actually doing some plant production, right? They're actually setting up shoots. But at the same time, even for cat professionals, um, you know, just that whole that art of just how does this plant set look good? <laughs> you know, I always or, say organize the details. Not like you said, you have a detail in the upper right and the lower left. Why aren't they organized either to one side or in the middle or whatever? You know, but just there's a better there's a, probably a better way to do it. Um, anyway, so I think that lost art of that of how to pre, how to present the plans definitely is a challenge. It's something that I try to help my groups, um, you know, the firms that I work for, try to do better. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I think, and I, I posted out a couple of weeks ago that AutoCAD arc diagram where it erases the number one command. That's right. You know, and that's that's years ago. But think about it. Back when we, when I did, I mean, I did hand drafting for this company. I had my, I had sheets of paper where we do parking lots. And, and if I had to redo it, it was a big deal. Yeah. It was hours and hours of work. So, what I tell my team is when they draw something, when you draw a line, think about it. Think about what you're actually drawing. It's not just a line. It represents something, yeah. something in your design, something that means something other than a line. And um, if you can, if you can convey that and get them to think that way, then your design, then they'll be better and more efficient and more productive. And we won't be using the erase command so much. Now there's still going to be rework because yeah. a lot of people need to think through their stuff like that but um i do think that the people that worked on the board think a little bit more about why they're putting that why they're putting that cursor down there and drawing a line from point a to point yeah. b because it, it is a big difference back you know with the electric eraser and the you know the <laughs> rosin pad and all that stuff yeah, yeah, it's right. a little harder you're proud when you're done but yeah. when you have to redo it it's a little tricky <laughs> one of the things that you said and um oh man it just um close to home because this is I actually preached this. Um, so one of my truths are, you know, if if you have a cat if you have a cat group and there's and you just seem to see repetitive repetitive room for improvement, right? The plan approach. Mm -hmm. One of the, the the first thing that comes to mind is ownership. Um, oh. they, they they lack the ownership. Um, because and I I I try to mentor and institutionalize and I, I tell this to people when I work on their projects, like your PE stamp is my PE stamp. I want to make sure that I'm representing you. And so I may flex back when you have something, I don't see something right. I may, I call it flexing. If I mean, you know, I don't want to challenge them and say what, they, what they're doing isn't right because obviously they are the engineer. But at the same time though, I'm like, I've seen enough things from my perspective. I'm just, I saw this done by another engineer. I'm just curious why you took this approach. Or you know this comp this conflict something that you're showing on sheet three and we're on sheet twelve. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. Um, and two is in for firms where you're an ESOP, right? You're employee owned. I like to say you know when it, the company's name's on the border, that's no different than your name. In some cases our names are on the sheets, right? Drawn by or drafted by. Um, and so I really try just like you said, right? It's just this um, just having that. Um, the sense of pride in the work, but you know, it's like same time though. It's like you know, be thoughtful, but at the same time, take some pride in it. Your ownership. At the end of the day, you are representing your firm. So why aren't we trying to do the best that we can to making sure that 
That's a manager's um, dilemma yep. because different people with different personalities. Yep. You have the people that, um, I'm not going to say don't care, but this is their job yep. and that's all it is. You know, care enough just to not to get fired. <laughs> right. Well, they, the ownership thing, and I always tell people when we put a lead designer on a job, I don't, I don't actually own jo jobs anymore. What I do is I start them and I hand them and I monitor them and then I help finish. Yeah. So when I tell that person, I said, this is yours, you own this. I'm here to help you along the way. It's not, I don't want any credit. I want you to, to own this the whole way and be proud of it when you're done. Yeah. If you can get that in their head that be proud of what you're doing, it's not gonna be easy. Some can be easy, some can be really hard, but you'll be proud when you get it done. And that feeling is, the feeling of getting it done in a team and helping somebody is better than, I think that's what keeps me going, you know, is is the feeling of getting something done and doing it right, but not alone with with a team environment. I've been alone, you know, I've worked alone a lot, but yeah. um, working in a team is so much better because you can utilize different strengths from different people because yeah. you and I both know, I know a lot of different CAD packages and and I'm good at certain, I'm really good at certain things and I'm not so good at some others, but I know people that are good. And if you can leverage all that, that's the key to it. But the ownership part of it, it that's more of a, um, a performance expectation you have to set forth with the people and, 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 and different. And what I've learned, you know, after failing, you know, when I first started doing this is that different people react differently. So you have to treat, everybody can't be, you have to be fair but you have to kind of customize your approach to the different personalities of the people, but you have to be fair across the board. You can't, you know, have favorites or this or that, yeah. but you have to be fair and, and firm. You, you do have to hold them accountable, which is not the easiest thing to do. The negative feedback or the, you know, Hey, look, we don't do it this way because I taught a class at AU and someone had the greatest, and I'll never forget this thing at the end. It was, um, the guy said, Sam, we have some uh, creative users. And I used that in a meeting last week at work. Mm -hmm. And I and I said, creativity is great. I said, but when it comes to, you know, this is, you know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of, pa the one thing about CAD people that I've learned that they're very passionate, whether it can be the color of the title block or the yeah. thickness of the line five, you know, the, 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 some people just really won't give up on certain things. So if you can, <laughs> if you can try to make them comfortable and come to a compromise yeah. then you can you can make it work in a team environment i'm spread out i i'm i'm in detroit ann arbor michigan and my operators are all over the country not yeah. one of us are located we're, there's no two of us together so we kind of have to meet you know this virtual thing is 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 actually done us well because we meet more now and they're more talkative yeah. but we're not going to offices but we're actually collaborating better it's not an argument it's more of a discussion and and that's what i've always wanted with this group was i want a discussion why the multi-leaders are this way why the title blocks yeah. are this color, why the pen table is this because yeah. it um yeah it's it's challenging being a cad manager yeah I it, also, is. I, it is i also agree you know one of the things that i've come you know i have three kids uh, one in college sophomore in college sophomore in high school and eighth grader and you know when I manage my team that's it's you know like you said you can't it's like parenting my kid like of course we have the same values and the same approach and the same expectations 
but in order to get the best out of them, you do have to tailor your approach. And, yeah, that's, and that's one of the things that as I've matured in my, in my career is that that's where, you know, and it can be tough for some people because a lot of, a lot of technical folks are introverts. And so this is where you have to get out of yourself and get to know your people a little bit better. So I, I oh, Eric, I never talked to anybody for 18 years until I went to this Haley and Aldrich. I have, the, I have to thank them for bringing me out of, I would have never accomplished what I've accomplished over the past 10 years if it wasn't for coming to this company because I was comfortable in a design group. I never did anything. And then I came here and they said, you need to do you need to speak, you need to do this, you need to take these tests. And I was so intimidated. I was like, gosh, what if I don't, what if I fail? What if I don't do well? What if I don't do that? But then after a few years of doing it, I became comfortable with it. But I didn't have any manager training when I went into staff managing CAD. And that was, I think, the biggest, um, I guess my biggest downfall when I tried to do it because I treated everybody like I thought they were like me. And that they came to work at six in the morning and not to say that I'm a great worker, but mm-hmm. I had this certain worth work ethic where I wouldn't leave until the project's done, you yeah. know, and then, then there's certain people that had their schedules, families, yeah. this and that. And I didn't understand it all when I first, my first go around at being a cab manager, but now I do. And, and I earned, and, I, and you have to earn the respect of your team. Yeah. You have to have, they, you have to have mutual respect because there's a lot of people on my team that can do things better than I can in certain aspects. And I know yeah. that, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I just want to make sure the company it's all, it's a company effort. So it doesn't really matter who I don't want any credit. I just want the project to go out right and to be able to build and us to look good. I agree. Yeah. Um, so how long have you been in CAD manager? 10 years. I actually worked for the other firm. I kind of, you could say I indir- indirectly managed for probably five, you know, but I was, yeah. I was sort of on my own in, a, in an office in Ann Arbor. And then our main office was out of Madison, Wisconsin, where I reported to a big design group, but I helped with a lot of the standards. But for this company, it's been 10 years. I've been their CAD manager. All right. And then as a CAD manager, what are some of the, I know we've kind of touched base. Maybe there's a if, we're, if you've already kind of highlighted that's fine, but what are some of the challenges that you ran into, maybe right now that you're running into that you're trying to uh, overcome? Um, I think my biggest challenge was uh, the people part of it. The, the, and and I, 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 the biggest challenge was not recognizing that people weren't like me and trying to figure out who people were and their work habits and their work styles. Just because they work different than I do doesn't mean they're not doing it the right way or the same pace. Different people work at different paces. And I've also learned that my biggest problem before was there was, I didn't, I lacked a little bit of empathy and a little bit of emotional intelligence where I would only call them up when I needed something. So now I call them just to check in to say yeah. hi, to do whatever, and not just call them up, hey, I need your help. Hey, I need this. Hey, I need that. Because I learned that that doesn't, they won't pick up the phone. Oh, it's just Sam calling again. He wants me to do something. Yeah. He's not just calling. But now our relationship is is better. And sometimes I'll call and just say, do you need help? I can help you. And that's, I think that's my advantage of of staying in the work, like we talked about. Yeah. I can help people. It's just that when you're a manager, you're billed at a higher rate. So I have to be careful, 
you know, so it's kind of like you have to just kind of touch things here and there and kind of help your people out, but you need to let them know you're there for them. And I think my biggest mistake was they didn't know I was there for them back, back 10 years ago, but I think they do know I'm there for them now. That's great. Um, what was one of the biggest mistakes you've ever had? Oh, forcing people to do something just without giving them any opinion, okay. hands down. Yeah. Okay. You need to use a sheet set manager and on over three sheet, three pages, no matter what. You need to use this pen table, no matter what. You need to print using this, no matter what. And I didn't give any. There was no. There was no communication. There was no collaboration. Yeah. It was just, this is the manual. I wrote it. This is how you're going to do it. And these were people that have been here, been at the company longer before me. And they're like, they don't know me. You know, I'm the new guy. So I think that was something that was a mistake. And then so, and I think I know your answer to this, but how, so that mistake, how has that now shaped you to the manager you are today? Oh, that helped me learn to my meetings right now. And I have to tell you, they're the last four we've had have been awesome. I actually look forward to them. Everybody talks before it was nobody talked and it was just me. I call on everybody. They all talk. They're all open and they all have opinions. And when somebody asks a question, I'll call, I'll ask, have somebody else answer it instead of me. I'll have another person I say, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? And we kind of come to an agreement. So it's not more of somebody telling somebody what they want or their preference. It's more of a group, um, a group collaboration. It's, it's really good. I mean, it, the last, I'm actually really proud of the last few meetings we've had. They've been, they've actually been fun, Eric. <laughs> they've been, they've been actually, I look forward to them. And you know, it's hard to say that because I'm going to be honest, I'd be, I'd be telling, oh, I got to go to another meeting, you know, yeah. I got to go to another meeting, but these last few and the attendance has picked up and it's yeah. just, it's good. And, and, and we, we, we discuss topics and if we don't agree, we table it and we bring it up at the next one. So we meet every couple weeks. We don't meet too often. Then we check in periodically if there's a one-on-one -on -one issue. Yeah. Not everybody's going to get along, but you can, yeah. you can figure out how to make people, um, you can figure out how to make it work together if you know the people. That's what yeah. I meant about getting to know them. Yeah. You have to get to know them and know their personalities. For me, I mean, that works for me. Yeah, I, I think it's funny when you say you've been almost since the beginning. I can I can almost nod my head and agree. Yeah. Either I've been in I've been in that situation, and or I've had the same type of team members, and or I've had the same kind of perspective. So, yeah, I agree. I mean. I think that's, so it was pretty cool. So I have this review, I mean, a review of the podcast. And one of us said, you know, it's, they were like, um, they like the fact that I'm talking about a subject that people don't really talk about. It's really humanizing this topic because this topic can be overran by deployments, standards, oh, resource yeah. files, CTBs, STBs, you know, um, don't, you know, don't put nothing on layer zero. Um, you know, things like that. But, you know, and I think one of the things that, like, and you said earlier that, you know, we, so if you're, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're an, and you're a CAD technician or CAD pro and you have a CAD manager over you, more likely they haven't, they've had to learn the hard knocks ways to be a manager and dealing with people, right? <laughs> I mean, 
besides myself, like for myself, like we talked earlier, you know, I'm audio, you know, audiobooks, podcast books. I'm trying to learn how to be a leader, how to how to be a better leader, how to be a better manager. You know, but for years though, you know, there's it's no really formal training besides stepping up and saying, I'll be the leader of the team. Right. And so, um, but you know, it's great to hear that you've gone through some some tough spots and that you've been able to, you know, like you said, you know, you've had to learn empathy and have some emotional intelligence of the group and the dynamics of the group and how am I going to get the best part of that, how get the best out of them to make this a group that, you know, really produces um, and gets along. Um, and so, yeah, great insight there. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I am. Um... Yeah, the group. Yeah, it took me a while. I mean, I, I, I didn't realize the people part of it is a very, very big thing because when you get to meet people, now we're virtual to you, when you get to, t it takes time. It does right. take time being, and it's hard because we all have to be, you have to, it's a balancing act, but th to pick up the phone and just talk to somebody when they're having a bad day and listen to them yep. means so much to them. And then the next day they're fine. Yeah. I mean, we've all had those days and I have them often with several different people, but, and it's okay. It's okay. It's work. It's not easy. Yeah. And you have to deal with a lot of, we're at the end of the line, you know, okay, we're a service group, CAD, yeah. you know, so we get blamed for things that don't go out or, or the last minute this or last minute that. So we have to juggle things. So the more you can get your group to get along and work together and become you know, friends to a certain extent, yeah. they will help you. They will help each other and help you. That's the, the, if you can all help each other, it's, it's better. I used to put on my quotes, that old Beatles thing, you know, I get by with a little help from my friends because yeah. <laughs> I don't do this alone. I, yeah. I mean, and then AU, what AU's brought to me and then people like you, I've learned so much from people. I didn't have a mentor when I got thrown into CAD management. So then I met like Rick Ellis, Kurt Moreno, the people, Robert Green, yeah. all these people from AU. And I, I was so scared to talk to anybody. Yeah. But once I became friends with them, like you and Craig talked about, it was mm -hmm. so easy to talk to them. And it's so refreshing to hear the stories are similar. And it's so encouraging to hear how they dealt with it as opposed to how I dealt with it. So yeah. getting perspectives from different people works. It does help. And yeah. CAD managing, CAD managing is, um, it, it's, um, it's, it's tough because, and, and I struggle with the fact that anybody out of school can be a CAD expert. I, I, I struggle with that because I think that's the perception of a lot of people. And just because AutoCAD, I had a friend and I always, I tell this story sometimes. He was like 15, 20 years ago and he told me, he goes, Sam, 10 commands. I can do anything in AutoCAD, 10 commands. And Eric, I went home and I, and I wrote it down, line, plot, open, save, print. And I was saying, well, I was saying, well, if it's set up, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of right. You can kind of move, you know. <laughs> but I always remember that and when I'm thinking of doing things, but there's a lot more to it than just that. But I think that my point is, I think a lot of people think that that's CAD sometimes. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's good to hear all the people talking about the fundamentals and the frustrations and, and how people, different people implement and approach yeah. um, the problems with companies because 
you know, 10, 15 years ago, there were CAD operators. I don't, yeah. very few companies have CAD drafters anymore. Yeah. There's a lot of us that pick up the pieces from other things or help people out, but there's a lot of companies that have CAD given to, as soon as they get an engineer in there or a scientist or geologist, they need AutoCAD. Yeah. And I go, for what? Yeah. <laughs> they need it. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm okay with like those those roles because having you know CAD because it helps them lay out their work. Um, you're right. I, I'm always like, do your due diligence, lay out your work, your alignment, your driveway, your corridor, your pond, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. At least do your part. So that way, when you hand it over to CAD, then we're able we're able to run with it a little bit more. Um, I'm all for that too. I never want to, yeah. what I've always told them is I never want to hinder anybody from their ability to do their job. Yeah, and if you, and if part of your job is using the software to, to complete the design, to complete the report, yeah. that's, that's hundred percent acceptable, but yeah. there is a standard. There yeah, is a standard and there is a, there is a process we go through that we need to check it to make sure it's vetted and correct yeah, before it sure. goes out the door sure. and stamped. That's, yeah. that's where there's that gray area sometimes. Yeah. Well, like the company that, so like my last company, um, I was fortunate enough to have a dedicated CAD group. You know, at the peak before we laid some people off, we had and laid off in retirement, but we had, you know, 11, 11 CAD drafting designers, you know, across four offices. Uh, and it was awesome because, right, you can do those, but this new company that I'm at, I'll be here two years, um, a couple months. And, you know, it's, I call it the hybrid model where you have EIT designers, engineers doing the drafting. And so here's a whole new group being led by a new manager. There's only two CAD designers underneath me right now. But, you know, it's like, um, yeah, it's different because, you know, you, know, you have to, you know, retrain them because they're so used to, yeah, we had a standard, but I can put my initials at the front of it. So I know the things that I drew or, you know, <laughs> they could do whatever they wanted, you know, and so. Um, definitely a challenge, but none, nonetheless, that's why, um, you know, we get to do what we do and we get to learn and, uh, you know, just evolve, evolve as professionals. Um, so I think this is a good segue to the next question here. So, you know, what is one thing you wish you knew earlier on in your career that you know now? Mm. That's a good question. Um, wish I knew earlier on that I know now. Um, I wish I knew earlier on the complications between licensing, deployments, and tying that into money and return on investment to the stakeholders like the managers. Telling, you know, to, to understand how, why it's valuable to have this amount of seats versus this amount of seats and not, and why it's valuable not to give it to the whole company. When I first came to the company, they dished out computers and AutoCAD was on there just like Microsoft Word. So we both know licensing is changing, yeah. but I wish I would have known more about the effect of that because when I took over the licensing, the managing of, I, it just happens, you know, when you're a CAD manager, to, I took over all that. I, it was, it was eye opening to know, you know, cause before I used to just, Hey, can I have the next version? Give me the code and the key. And it was blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But when I started taking it over it, it was um, eye-opening to me the amount of time and the amount of amount of waste that was there that yeah. you don't really know until you look into it. 
and and um, if I would have known that, I would have avoided a lot of um, things moving forward the way I do. I don't know if that's a good answer, but I guess no. that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of the licensing is a pain point for me yeah. because we have so many different versions and Autodesk keeps changing, changing, yeah. and this this whole name yeah. thing and it's just it's frustrating for a company like me who's like the hybrid model. Yeah. So I have. I have eight people that are dedicated like 90% plus. Then I have these 50 other people who are very important to me and the company that they use the software to do their job, yeah. mainly civil 3D to do the roadways, do corridors, to do yeah. that stuff. And now I have to pick and choose and try to figure out who gets what, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's a challenge. So if, um, if that was more clear back, back a few years ago, that would have been better, but that would be one thing is just understanding how licensing works instead yeah. of just saying here's your license understanding the money part of it yeah yeah i think um yes that's a good answer because i think there's other people also in that same boat but i think i, I want to actually just i want to take step out from that just one second and i think for us cad managers and if you're up if you're listening again you're up and coming it's really just the business the business component of being a manager Right. So like if you're trying to no different for licensing, understanding that, um, of course, you know, you want to have the right number of seats, the ratio, right? You want to have the right number of seats, you want to make sure the right people have it because you don't want to have and spend money on licenses not used. So if there's seats unused, you want to try to find you want to find the optimal number, right? Because it's gonna be a give and take. You know, some some people may need it sometimes, some people may need it part of the time. Whatever that balance is, that's where you know network licenses and things like that. But I think for us, when we get into these roles, is really stepping back and sometimes looking at things again like a business owner. You know, what's the what's the ROI? You know, return on investment of this new software, the return on investment of this training. Okay, great, Sam. You're gonna you're gonna take your whole crew of eight people to go to training. You're gonna be gone for a week, and you're gonna be in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. <laughs> That's eight people, that's the utilization for eight people went to zero for that week. Yeah, yeah. You, you have travel expenses, you have hotel, you know, and those things like that where it's like, what do you mean? You just can't go and, you know, um, go do training? I, it's in my plan, you know, it's on my review. My goals for the year to get, you know, InfraWorks 2020 training, you know, but there's, there's that part of it, I think, that I think that, um, I think as CAD managers, we need to seek out more. Um, you know, and, and kind of know that kind of stuff. I think, you know, Robert Green does a good job in his, um, in his um, blogs and stuff like that, where he talks about, you know, you can tell he comes from that mindset as well of, you know, what's, how much, you know, how much it going to cost and what's the return on it and things like that. And so, you know, so if you're listening to this again and you're struggling with that, just, you know, you may need to seek out people, maybe like myself or a Sam or a Robert, or you know maybe talking to somebody else in your in your in your firm just to kind of understand what that means because it'll go a long ways if you're trying to adopt new technology you're trying to do training do these things knowing the financial impacts as you make your pitch will go a lot better of having success. Um, you know, that's kind of Absolutely, Robert and I talked personally about that one time. Yeah. Tie it back to you have to tie it back to of financial gain and stability and you yeah. have to tie it back to them it's a, it's a worthy investment for the company somehow you've got to tie that into your pitch for why yeah. i want this app 
Why do yeah. I want this? Why do I want that? If you can say, hey, look, you know what? This will save me eight hours. We, we bought something. I won't, I won't say the name of it, but this will save me six hours a week for five weeks, which saves this many people, this many hours, and then yeah. give it a number at the end of the year. Yeah. You're good. You document it, you use it, <laughs> you're fine. It goes yeah. a little bit more than just saying, this is a really cool thing. Look at what it can do. Yeah. You have to come out somehow tie it back to the financial part of it. Um, what would you consider to be your CAD manager superpower? Oh, I, I, I forgot about this question. I heard you ask this before. <laughs> um, my CAD manager superpower. I think my, my superpower, that sounds funny. <laughs> um, I think my ability to jump in on a project at any point in time and help them finish or start. I have a good, and I'm not being arrogant or anything, I have a good sense of the work, whether it's whatever platform it is. I, I know a lot of different platforms and it's as many of us, and I'll admit it, it's hard to jump in a project in the middle if somebody gets sick or somebody's gone and try to finish it. I have a good handle on my projects and the people and I can do that. I can do that. So if, my, if any one of my team people are out, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at jumping in and helping them out. That would, that would be my one thing I think I'm good at. Awesome. Uh, what current technology or trend are you most excited about right now? Oh, gosh, Ben, without a hands down. We just hired, um, took me three and a half years to, and I'm open. I've been trying to hire a BIM rivet specialist at our company for the longest time. I've done presentations over the past three years. The value of Rivet, we're a geotechnical structural firm out of Boston in the real estate market. Yeah. We deal with architects, BIM 360, everything. We had, and we, we didn't have any Revit skills. I mean, yeah. we have the software, we have people like me that can open it and do a few things. And I'm just being transparent. Rivet's not my thing. I mean, I don't have the time to learn it or do it, but I am super excited about the fact that We've hired a BIM technical specialist and we're going to implement that. We have, we've done some training through our reseller um, through, through like seven or eight younger engineers. And I think it's, I think if you talk to me a year from now, I think you're going to see a big difference in, in what we have now and then what we'll have in a year. But that's been an ongoing effort of mine because it's been the buzzword for so long. What is building information modeling? What is it? Why do I need it? How can I use it? But but we do it. We we collaborate with architects all the time on structural clash detections. And now we have someone that actually can use the software instead of exploding it in 2D AutoCAD and putting plans yeah. and going back. We're going to be able to use the model, go back and forth, show it in InfraWorks. I mean, not InfraWorks, in NavisWorks, and and check out clash detections and do things that way. Yeah, it's you can tell by my voice. I'm. Yeah, it's I was been, about to say. It's it's. It's been something that's been been so I'm so happy that you know yeah. because it takes it takes a lot to convince a company to hire somebody in a discipline without being without the work right yeah. so we have to I had to we have to generate the work generate the people generate the buzzwords and then we do have the work we always had the work but yeah. we we had to figure out how to integrate it in so me along I had a lot of help you know like yeah. I said to help with my friends but um, I think. I'm pretty excited about the future of what we got going on with that. Yeah, I think that's huge for us, for the company. And I'm, I'm super excited to actually learn more about it, to be honest with you, as yeah. managing the whole thing. Yeah. It's going to be great. Awesome. I'm excited. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Energy, uh, 
It was a long time coming. I'm glad that you, you guys are finally. Yeah, I didn't. You didn't have to ask me twice about that. That's. that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, so what are your thoughts on the future of CAD? The future of CAD. I think CAD's evolved over the. I see. I, you know, I was gonna say I grew up, but, I, you know, I'm bored. I went from board to drafters to. I don't think, and I remember I was gonna write an article. Are the days of the draftsman gone? You know, yep. I don't, I think there's some, I think that's always going to be there because some of the designs I work on, a lot of them are um, supportive excavation, soil by extraction, but they're 20 pages. Yep. And, and the majority of the, the, the design component in that package is three sheets, right? Yep. The rest of it's draft, it really is drafting yep. with a little bit of knowledge of the design part of it. So I, I do think that, I, I hope that we bring back more of the fundamental teachings of, of drafting and design and keeping it part of a component of the future. But I think the future is, is more towards modeling and having, yeah. having a 3D model and having that being the major piece of your entire design. I don't think you're gonna get away from, from um, your flat land development drawings for some time now, but I think the visualization part of it is gonna be key to sell the work yep. and, to, and, to, and for people to understand it. But having a, having a 3D, I struggle with, there's some CAD people, and I think you probably know this too, that you have to get them to see in 3D. If, if, if they can't see it, it's hard for them to understand that you just rotate your UCS, you work on this plane, that plane, yeah. and, and they're stuck in that. But I think there's a mixture. I think you're gonna see a mixture of, you know, that still the drafting. I don't think drafting's ever gonna go away, a part of it, I really mm -hmm. don't. I just don't think it's always gonna have to be there, but the, the, the model is what the key is in the future. That's what yeah. I see, I mean. Yeah, I agree, I agree. I think, and, and I don't, I think it's, way beyond by the time we retire. So I don't think anybody's gonna be able to build off of the model. Now, of course, we have a machine control, right? Yeah. We can do that some stuff. And obviously we can, we see some remnants of, you know, printing houses, 3D printing houses and some yeah. things. I get that, but at the same time though, um, you know, I still think we're 20 plus years, to be honest, from just a model-based, 100% model-based construction. So I do think we'll still need plans. I still do think that the, that the, um, that the, what was it? So what was the name of the article you were going to write? The days of the draftsman or yeah. are the days of the draftsman gone? Yeah, yeah so I was going to write that. Are, for so the days <laughs> of the draftsman, I think are still alive and well, but, but I think the challenge is, and I, this is, I'm passionate about this. And so this is, I don't, this is where I'm hoping some of this will help um, give me in a spot where I can share it better. Um, is that art, the lost art of the plans production? Of oh, and oh. I think that that's up to us as a community, as a CAD manager community, or a community in general. Is that you know, if, again, if you're struggling with the quality of your plans, the fundamentals of going back of how do I structure and lay out the sheet? You know, how are my how are my dimensions lined up? How are my notes lined up? How are my leader notes lined up? You know, there's all these things that again, I think get lost because we're trying to do stuff so quick and bad oh and yeah you, and when you have folks who are you know again this hybrid model culture you know the eits are people coming out of college aren't being taught and they shouldn't be 
I mean, they're, they're learning the tools for civil duty, but you know, should there be a drafting class in there? Maybe it'd be cool, but more likely not because that's not coursework, core coursework. Um, and so, but I think it's going to be folks like us that think that I need to keep that in mind, just so we can continue to keep that that art alive. So that way, you know, there are good quality plans out there too. I've seen some some stuff that are pretty clunky. Um, you're like, wow. oh, I, you know, I, you know, and so. I you know, part of another thing, mistakes I've made, you know, you said before, and I'll go back to it. I've seen a lot of plans where they said, if you looked at this, you know, it comes out of say, I won't name a city, you know, or one of our yeah. offices. And I'm like, no, I never saw it. Can you, can you review it? And so I sent, I would send these long emails, the review, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And, and if and that's another thing, if I could have went back and done it again, I would have called those people on the phone and said, yeah. look, let's go over it together yeah. and not write an email that looked like I was, you know, these are younger people that are just starting their career. They're not doing anything wrong. They're just yeah. being told what to do from somebody in that office. They don't even know me, you know? Yeah. So it's, it, it was, that's one of them things. So I've seen a lot, but, but I'm also proud of how far this company has come. I mean, the visibility of CAD is what I'm trying to focus on now is trying to get the, the visibility of it to the company and how important it is and how anybody just, people need to understand what they're doing when they put a, you know, a line on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. I, I really need to do that. And I really need to um, um, communicate what the software can do and what it can bring instead of, you know, doing it a different way. So that my goals are to kind of bring all this new technology together and make it visible to upper management. So we have to do presentations and things like that to, to kind of prove that, hey, look, you know, this is what we're doing, you know, on these jobs. This is what we're using. This is why we're using it. And this is why it saves you X amount of money. Yeah, agreed. But anyway, you were, you were talking about plans, but it, it, it um, I've seen a lot. And, and yeah, actually, I have a OneNote that I keep. It's called CAD Manager Slides yeah. that I just keep. I, I don't show it to anybody, but I keep because it's one of those where someone will call me and say, have you seen this? And and, yeah. and, and we had an incident like a week ago, and some guy was just complaining, nested XREFs, details, this and that. And, and, I, and he goes, you know, he said to me, and he goes, well, it's really, he goes, I give them a lot of credit for doing it that way, but it's so wrong, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I kept thinking in my head, it, it took a lot of creativity. I, I was using yeah. a creative thing. I said, yeah. let's just coach them through how to fix, how to, how the right way to do this is. And then maybe we can, you know, have a better outcome the next time around. But I think most of the people, meanwhile, I think they're just being told to do a task and they're doing it without reaching out to help, getting them to reach out to help. And me and then I'm a more senior level. Sometimes the younger people won't call you right away. Yeah. You have to kind of call them up and just say, Hey, look, you know, we can't go out and have a beer with everybody now, you know, yeah. but you can at least call them and say, Hey, look, this is who I am. Um, this is what I do. You can call me anytime, even though my, my light's red, just call yeah. me anyway, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, what is one lesson or lessons you wish other um, CAD managers learned? You know, because again, we're we're coming up. What was the question? What is 
what is one lesson or lessons you wish other CAD managers that I would give to other CAD managers a yeah. lesson? Yeah. You know, because again, we're going through this. I think patience. Yeah. I think you have to be patient with your users. I really, really do. You have to be very patient and understanding of the why they are doing things the way they do it. There's just because they're doing something this way doesn't mean it's wrong. If, 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 if the design is intact, I mean, there is a wrong way. Don't get me wrong, you yeah, know, yeah. but okay. there's a couple different ways to get the same outcome as long as it's efficient. Yeah. And, and some of them are very similar, but understanding them and letting them talk and speak through um, why they were doing it that way, it goes a long way. And then just showing a little bit of um, understanding. Agreed. Um, so one of the things I wanted to, I should have asked at the beginning um, and I didn't, but because it was more relatable to talk. But um, so, you know, you've been, you've been an AU speaker for how many years now? Seven, seven years. Seven. Okay, so then, eight. Eight. <laughs> so, okay, so as an inspiring AU speaker, um, you know, what would be a recommendation that you would give to somebody wanting to, you know, maybe, you know, submit their, you know, submit their proposal for a class, and then how, have, what have you done and learned through your journey to become a top-rated AU speaker? I think my classes, I think they're successful because they're based on real world projects. It's not out of a textbook. Everything I've done, there's an underlying project that I've kind of had the same issue with. So I try to, and like I said, the fundamentals, a lot of the things I've done, it's based off fundamental CAD work. And then it segues into like plan and production in civil 3D or um, macros in AutoCAD. Fun, yet useful, productive, but, but the, the main thing about the, uh, the classes I do is I, my objectives. My objectives, I try to make four objectives that are something that would capture my eye, like learn how to do, you know, learn how to put a sheet index table, learn how to publish all your sheets in one click, learn how to add um, view label box, or learn how to create macros to do this. It's, I always try to make the objectives focus directly on what you're going to learn. And then it's all based on, you know, and I, I really, that's the only thing I can tell you, Eric, because they've been successful. Yeah. And, and, and you I mean, I've done classes, but, and people like them. So it's all, and, and a lot of people, and I've had comments from, you know, professors and things like that saying that, you know, well, my class didn't get expect, you know, and I'm <laughs> like, well, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's just my industry experience and it's based off of projects. Everything I've done is yeah. based off of, when I do proposals, I think of projects. I had one that wasn't accepted this year that I really wanted to do. It was Kogo Points and Civil 3D. I won't give you the name of it, but I was so excited to do it because we did so much work on Kogo Points and how to name them and how to utilize them and how to do a bunch of different things with them in Civil. But it was all based on project work throughout a year. So it's real world examples and not just yeah. something out of a book. So my advice to anybody would be never don't, I mean, go for it. That's my first advice is yeah, go right. for it. Go for it and just make sure your objectives are exactly what you're going to talk about. Give a good little synopsis. Title doesn't have to be too catchy, but it needs to be relevant. And just um, give it your best. My first class I taught was um, online types, and I couldn't believe I got accepted. <laughs> I, I was. It was like in yeah. 2011 or 12, and I was – 
I thought, you know, I'm going to speak. And I, and I didn't do it for me. I was so, I just started a new job and I was trying to prove myself and people didn't think I was as good as I was. And I was, I need to prove it. And then when I got accepted, I was panicked. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I never spoke in front of anybody, but, yeah. um, but it leads, it leads one thing leads to another. So it's, and AU has done nothing, but it's done nothing but create this network of people that are my friends. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like you, and I haven't met you personally there, but we'd be friends if we, we'd met, right. you know, in person, like Craig, yeah. all these people, Rick Ellis, Robert Green, all these people I've sat, I've had lunch with. And, and that's the one disappointing thing about the digital thing is I know we're still going to see them, but these are the friends I see from all over the world once a year. And, and, and I was the guy who sat in the corner the first two, three years and didn't talk to any, talk to anybody, but, um, now I'm involved in all these things and it's just super fun. It's busy. It's busy. Yeah. And I can tell you, I've had everything happen wrong to me teaching a class too. So <laughs> if, if anybody wants advice on what to do when the computer locks up, what to do that, you can, yeah. it's, it's a very different feeling when you got a hundred people looking at you. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah. I've done some presentations and, and trainings and it's always, no matter how canned and how prepared you are, it's something <laughs> uh, happens. Something always happens. Usually not, but you know, it's all, if not, it doesn't. But you know, when it does, you're like, you know, uh, yeah, I've had those similar eyes on 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 me, and you know, it's uh, can be uncomfortable. The best one I did was um, 2013. I did one on macros and AutoCAD, and I tripped over the cord in the front and I almost fell down. The guy goes, yeah. you're okay. And I think that calmed me down because I was so nervous. Yeah. That class went so, I was so proud of that class. Yeah. <laughs> it was great after that. I think because everybody laughed and it was just yeah. kind of like this icebreaker. Right, yeah, yeah. It was just, it was good. But um, yeah, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy the people. Yeah. It's so nice that, you know, what makes it all worthwhile is when you get the two or three, you don't get a whole lot of, you know, you get your negative feedback, which is, yeah. At first, it's very hard to take, but you kind of, you know, yeah. you kind of get used to it. But the two or three people that said, thank you so much, you've helped me so much, that to me, that makes it all worthwhile. It could be one person, yeah. but it makes it worthwhile when they come up to you or meet you in the hallway and say, you've helped me in my career. That, That's why I do it. And I think that's why you and a lot of other people do it too. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, so doing these well, obviously I did this before, but doing these interviews with these other CAD managers um, just solidifies my my thoughts, what I know of the CAD management community being so special um, and being just full of, I, I know there's some thinkers out there, but the ones that I've already ran into, the majority of people that I know personally and met, um, you know, have been really great human beings. Oh, I know. Right? I mean, it yeah. just makes me makes me proud to be a part of this community. And like you said, to whatever I can do to give back to the people up and coming or the people to my side, in front of me, it doesn't matter where they're at. You know, if I can just help one person, uh, it makes it, it makes it definitely all worth it. Um, yeah, that one, you get that one comment and it just, you have to sit back and think about it. It just, it just makes you feel like, okay, I did my job, even though it could be hundreds of hours of work. Yeah. It just makes, it makes it worthwhile. It can be one person. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a hundred. Of course. Um, all right. Well, we're coming to the end here. So where can um, the CAD manager confessions audience follow you in your journey? I'm at CAD Pro Tips. I'm on 
I have my own blog, cadprotips.com. I have Instagram at cadprotips, Twitter at cadprotips, um, Tumblr at cadprotips. My daughter came up with that name like years and years ago, to be honest with you. Okay. I, I, because, and I'll be honest with you, I was trying to, it was like eight years, I was trying, I wanted to speak at AU so bad. I said, I can do this, I can do this. And I, I said, I gotta build an online presence. Yeah. I need a blog, I need a YouTube channel. Yeah. And we kept throwing names out there and she came up with the name nice. and, um, and it stuck. And now people know me as, and someone at AU said, hey, you're a Cat Pro Tips. And you know, it was like, yeah, that's me. And I was kind of like, wow, you know, that's kind of cool. <laughs> but no, so yeah. And um, I, I, I did the website years ago to build an online presence and actually to keep a, to house all my tips and tricks because I couldn't yeah. remember them all. Yeah. I was publishing monthly tips at all these companies to help foster collaboration between um, the team. I wanted them to talk. I took on a team that wasn't getting along. And so I wanted them to talk and talk. So I'd publish these monthly tips. It could be anything from why not to use layer zero or um, end copy something out of an X. It could be something like that. It was just all these different tips. So that's where my website came into. And then you can find me on the Knowledge Network. I have over a hundred screencasts and my classes are up on AU as well. And I'm trying, I'm actually a shameless plug. I'm trying to publish an ebook here. That's like your kid, yep. you know, your your podcast thing. That was a goal of mine. So I'm I'm pretty close. Nice. And yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, getting that and yeah, um, seeing seeing uh, what you have to share. Uh, what's the? Can you share what the it's gonna what the ebook's gonna be about? Oh, I'm I'm going through. Well, my CAD Pro tips, and then I'm going to go through the kind of like the alphabet of tips and tricks oh, that I've nice. done through all the years. Yeah. So I, I've, I've been working on it for a very, very long time. Yeah. And I had a goal to get it done last year, but I just didn't, you know, life happens. So I just slowly, slowly been working on it. And I finally pushed myself when I started working it. you know, when the AU comes around, I work at night and the weekends. Yeah. And so it's a good time to kind of you know, re-engage and doing that kind of stuff. So I always wanted to do it. And um, we'll see, more to come. Well, good luck. Good Thank luck you. Thank you. It's a goal of mine. So I, I, I'm one of those where at work, home and all that stuff, I, yeah. and even with my team, I write down the goals for myself and them and how we can yeah. all improve. And um, I think it helps if you put it down in paper and, you know, try to make it smart and measurable and uh, it'll work for you because you're only in my opinion, I'm only as successful as my team is yep. because I'm in a manager now and yep. they have to be successful. So you have to find the strengths, which are all different between all of them and, 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 and make them work together and then show the values of the company. Right. Um, well, that kind of ties into my last question here before we go. But any, it, that was an awesome thought we had there too. So, but any which party, one? <laughs> my, last, my last question. Your, your whole last run there was pretty, oh. was pretty good. But um, any parting advice or thoughts to the CAD management community? Um, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. It, there's a lot of. It's not easy. So you're going to have to figure. I, my my only advice is to find the balance between the work and the managing and the people, and and don't be afraid to ask for help. You, you, there's a big community of people like me, like Eric, that will help you. I, I mean, even though we don't work together, doesn't mean we won't help you or give you some advice 
on how to handle a, a difficult employee or a difficult situation. It's um, that would be my advice because going back to what I before what I said about things I would change, I would have asked for help. You know, because a lot of times we're directed on what to do and what to say to people. You have to be your own manager, and you have to you know do use your own style to make the team work. You can't be somebody else's voice. It needs to be your voice. So you have to somehow find that within your staff manager and all that stuff to, to do that. And don't, don't ever not ask for help. We can't do this alone. Sam, well said. Oh, well, thanks, Eric. <laughs> thank you for your time. I really appreciate you being on the CAD Manager Competitive Podcast and, and helping me continue this um, CAD Management Masterclass. Um, again, thank you for being here and looking forward to talking to you more. Thanks, Eric. I wish you the best of luck. This is awesome. I can't wait to see what you have in the future. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you found the things we talked about today valuable, I would be honored if you would subscribe and or leave a review. Until next time, Continue to challenge the status quo, be the leader you wish you had, don't be afraid to step into your greatness, and good luck in your pursuit for the perfect set of plans.